Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. Jesse Popick joining us live here on today's show from New York City. He's a coach and facilitator and so much more with his sales coaching, his honesty and sexuality coaching. He's here today. It's going to blow your mind, uh, the work that he's doing, the people he's helping. And we're going to talk to him more today about all the programs he offers and, of course, get to know him. So first and foremost, welcome to the show. How are you? I am great, Jill. I'm really, really happy to be here. Thanks oh, for having me. Thank you for being here. And if we want to check out uh, your website, just confirm uh, how we do that. Well, it's my name, uh, J-E-S-S-E-P-O-P-P-I-C-K.com. Jesse All right. Well, excited to have you here. Talk a little bit about the work that you do, if you don't mind. Just give us an overview because then I want to get to know you first before we kind of dive into things. So tell me what you do as an honesty, sexuality, and sales coach. Yes. Excellent. I appreciate the question so much. So um, honesty coaching really does permeate both, uh, I imagine, human sexuality and, in my experience, also sales. Um, I imagine that uh, authenticity is something that we get from being honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have been practicing uh, a, a honesty practice, if you will, called radical honesty for a number of years. And so I pull elements of, of the practice of radical honesty into my coaching. Okay. Um, I was in sales for over 25 years and I always found that uh, with authenticity, I was able to close a lot more sales. Uh, being honest actually helps yep. being a good salesperson. And then, of course, honesty and sexuality, well, they're intimately connected in more ways than one. And I'm super excited to uh, spend some time speaking about uh, human sexuality and, and what type of coaching I offer in more detail uh, as we uh, as we move through the next half an hour or so. Perfect. Well, first and foremost, we have to get to know you as a person. So tell us, uh, I know you're from New York City. Give us your background. And I know you had an extensive career in, in sales. Yeah, absolutely. So... I did grow up in New York City in the 70s and 80s, uh, Upper West Side kid, uh, went to high school in New York City uh, on the Upper East Side, uh, and then moved to California uh, and did my first year of university down in Southern California at Cal State Northridge, um, was there for two years studying film and TV production, and then uh, I got a bug in me to go up and hug trees, so I moved to Northern California, far, far Northern <laughs> I California. I love that. <laughs> yeah, uh, to Humboldt County and okay. uh, uh, completely switched majors, uh, wow. started studying ecology, was definitely a tree hugger and a, and a bit of a political and environmental activist at the time. Uh, while I was in Northern California, I took a couple trips to Montana and fell in love with Missoula, Montana. And so when I graduated, I moved up to Missoula, uh, lived in Missoula, Montana in Western, beautiful, beautiful Western Montana for uh, a few years. Met the woman who would become uh, my first wife. We moved back to New York City together. Uh, we had our first child here in New York City uh, and then got the opportunity to move back to Montana. Okay. Uh, had had daughter number two back in Montana. Congrats. Uh, and then, yeah, it was, and, and I like that I have, I actually have three daughters. Two of them were born in New York City and one of them was born in Missoula, Montana. I don't think there could be an opposite, an opposite uh, city in the world between mm-hmm. New York City and Missoula, Montana. Um, moved back to New York in 2006 and was working at Viacom. I actually worked in digital advertising for many, many years uh, and sold technology, uh, sold services, um, and uh, eventually in 2019 decided to move away from technology, still keeping my hands in sales, 
um, but moving more towards coaching and facilitation. Uh, and what I've been doing the last couple of years is actually uh, assisting and facilitating workshops at companies like Google, um, also in private workshops. Um, and so the facilitation stuff, I can develop my own content. I can also work with other people's content. Yeah. And the coaching is more one-on-one -on -one and sometimes group coaching as well. Got it. Amazing. All right. And for today, I know we're going to uh, get down to it. Uh, we're talking, obviously, a little bit about your personal, professional background. It's always good to get to know you. Uh, also, let's go into now your coaching offerings and how this all works. Right. Exactly. So I actually have, if you go to the website, you'll see that there's quite a, a menu of offerings. Um, I have um, several one-on-one -on -one coaching opportunities that are available I also offer group uh, coaching opportunities um, and with a focus on business. Uh, bringing sexual health into businesses uh, is something that um, an institute that is near and dear to my heart, the Harvey Institute, uh, tries to instill and actually bringing in um, healthy sexual uh, uh, awareness to business is not something that businesses should be afraid of. It's something that they ought to embrace, I imagine. Um, and also honesty and in sales. So, you know, I, I work with companies like Google, I've worked with other technology companies in the past um, in developing their sales teams, training their sales teams, um, and learning how to leverage honesty to be more authentic and from a sales perspective, be able to really build relationships. I mean, people buy from people who they like. And I think many people who, who buy can sense right away if you're kind of a sharky used car salesman. Mm -hmm. uh, versus just being open and honest and the open and the honest part. The more authentic type. Exactly. You know, I think people become much more comfortable in a salesy situation with someone that they, they think they can trust. And, and if they believe they can trust you because you're being authentic, then I imagine this leads to more sales for sure. Um, so uh, that's a high level look at the, the coaching, the, the honesty, the sexuality coaching, the sales coaching. Um, and what I thought I would love to do with you today, Jill, is actually ask you a little bit about um, how you see honesty in your life. Like how how do you deal with uh, situations where maybe you want to be honest, uh, but you hold yourself back? I'm so curious if, if there are situations where you, you want to say something and you decide not to and why. I'm No, I'm the one who always said something, whether it's inappropriate or not. I'm the one with the no Good. filter, which could be good and bad but I always feel it's just that that cliche of honesty is the best policy and really? I my kids are six and eight and I try explaining this to them and it's just I, I'm very blunt um, I'm very honest but I'm that nice person if you got a booger in your nose I'm going to tell you, you got a booger in your nose like I just I think that's for the better okay, you embarrass them oh oh well I, I'm causing less embarrassment I always look at if it comes to me, I, I would hope that people are honest with me more than anything because yeah. that's what I want. So that's how I'm going to put myself out there. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think that that's, that's, that's really a good point. Like I want to be as honest. I want honesty from other people. So I'm going to risk being really honest myself. And, mm -hmm. I, and I appreciate you for saying that you, you, know, you don't hold back. Which and gets think, me in trouble. My sister and well, I don't get along because of that. Exactly. And so taking that risk of being honest can lead to sometimes uh, situations where family members or friends decide that maybe you're too honest for them. Um, and that raises questions for me about, well, what, what, what scares them about the truth? What do they hold back? What are they holding back and why? Um, but I appreciate you for suggesting uh, uh, that it's, it is risky. Um, and I think that in my personal experience, I have definitely had family members and friends 
uh, move away from me due to my open honesty. So um, you're the same. So you're totally absolutely, open book. Absolutely. Okay. But, I, but I also imagine that this has created room for me to bring new people into my life who appreciate the honesty yeah. and actually want to hear the honesty. And I, um, the, the it's still scary to be honest. And I think it's also important for us to be able to tell each other, hey, listen, I have something I want to tell you. And I make myself really nervous. Like I'm really nervous about what it is I'm going to tell you. This is one. This is one way to to approach being honest because you're acknowledging that you are yourself scared, and yet you still want to take the risk and mm -hmm. be honest with the other person. Yeah. Um, so uh, let's see. What what more can I talk about in terms of the honesty stuff? Um, the the practice that that I have been following for the last few years uh, is based on the writings of a of a psychologist or a therapist named Brad Blanton. No, well, that's uh, the that's the the radical honesty, right? Exactly. Which I wanted you to bring up too. Okay, good. Yeah, tell me about him and and that. Yes. Yeah. So in my personal journey, I I spent many many years lying. Many 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 years, about thirty years lying. I I lied uh, throughout most of my life and kept uh, a pretty dark secret from everyone in my life. Uh, and that dark secret was that I went to go see sex workers on the regular mm -hmm. um, and through both my marriages and through uh, most of my adult life. Uh, once that secret came out, um, I had to work through some pretty serious self-reflection. Um, my second marriage ended uh, due to the honesty that came forth with, with disclosing this information. Um, and I was drawn to a book uh, that was actually recommended to me by my wife at the time called Radical Honesty. Ah. Um, and after reading the book, I was I was profoundly moved by the book. It's, it's more of a philosophy than a practice. So and you chose to. Well, but then I found out that they have workshops mm -hmm. and in the workshops there. The whole point of the workshops are, is to learn the practice. How do you actually do this in real life? Um, and this was in 20, well, 2018. I read the book 2019, went to my first workshop and I've been going to workshops pretty regularly uh, since then. And through COVID, I had an extra special opportunity. Uh, to be on two different weekly calls with Radical Honesty coaches for the better part of two years okay. because of COVID. Uh, we couldn't meet in person, and so the coaches were moving everything online. And so weekly, we'd get together in a group and practice. And I think that this helped really establish the practice for me um, to realize what I'm, what I'm experiencing, realize the nervousness that comes with being honest, and also noticing when I am feeling something in my body when I'm noticing something outside in the real world or what it is that I'm doing up here, which is mostly creating stories about maybe the things out in the real world or things that are happening in my body. And a lot of those stories I believe, and a lot of those stories are just not true. Mm -hmm. um, and being able to separate those experiences and actually begin to notice when it is that I'm making stories versus when it is I'm actually dealing with what someone actually said or what someone actually did got it right i imagine a lot of story making we do is not based on anything that actually someone said or did but just stories that we make up in our mind yeah so um the practice helped me move through uh, a really difficult period of my life um, there were other modalities that i was uh, ex uh, exploring as well uh, plant medicine i did a 12 step i you know it was a lot of growth during the last few years um, and uh, I would say that radical honesty has been one of the one of the one of the legs of the of the of the stool, so to speak, that's helped prop me up. Um, so I'm 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 pretty happy about the practice, and I'm also happy to spread the word about um, some of the elements of the practice and how it can be used through coaching, with coaching, and be used uh, on a daily basis, both personally, interpersonal relationships, as well as at work.
right? And I think there's, I think there is room again for honesty in the workplace, um, as well as I would hope in in personal relationships as well. Hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. All right. Thank yeah. you so much. Let's remind everyone, Jesse, how we can reach out to you. So you can email me. The email is pretty straightforward. It's y-o-u-u mm-hmm. at jessiepopic.com, J-E-S-S-E-P-O-P-P-I-C-K.com. And the website also is www.jessiepopic.com, J-E-S-S-E-P-O-P-P-I-C-K.com. So awesome. Try to make it as easy as possible to find me. All right. Well, yeah. you know, let's uh, let me ask you, do you want to share more details about this honesty coaching or the sexual Health well, I kind of want to move into the sexuality stuff sure, because perfect. I'm trying to keep track of time here. I know we, yeah. this, week, <laughs> this week I want to kind of hit some high level stuff. Yeah. Um, and in the next uh, recording, I'm hoping to actually dive in a little bit more to perfect. what the Harvey Institute has established as the six principles of sexual health. So I'm hoping in our next recording, we'll get through the first three. The following uh, week, we'll do the last three. Uh, and then I want to get into a discussion uh, in a few weeks about honesty coaching, more more particularly in more detail, and then obviously sales coaching. But but the Harvey Institute is um, a place that I was introduced to uh, through the work that I do with the Sexual Health Alliance. So I'm getting uh, several certifications through the Sexual Health Alliance. I currently have a certification in problem sexual behaviors, and the six principles of sexual health that are promoted by the Harvey Institute are also promoted by the Sexual Health Alliance. And the Harvey Institute really is uh, two therapists, whose names are Harvey, okay. uh, created this institute and they developed um, the six principles of wow. sexual health. And the six principles are this, consent, mm-hmm. which I think is very topical. Uh, there's a lot of discussion about consent these days with the uh, uh, Me Too movement and, and just consent in general. Um, non-exploitative, so healthy sexual activities would be non-exploitative. Healthy sexual activities would be honest. So honesty is right in there. Um, Shared values. So if I like to do a certain thing sexually and you don't, we probably aren't on the same page. We're probably not sharing the same values. So maybe uh, a healthy sexual uh, situation between the two of us won't work so well. So shared values is important. Uh, Protection. Protection from disease, uh, sexually transmitted diseases, uh, HIV, and unwanted pregnancies, right? So some sort of protection if you're seeking to get pregnant then obviously you wouldn't need that but protection is is another element to the six principles and then the last one is pleasure and my understanding is when these principles were developed uh, the first five came easy and pleasure wasn't included and so they added pleasure a bit later in the development of this list but you know seeking pleasure for ourselves individually as well as with partners is something that I, i think we shy away from having actually open to talk you know, discussions about. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the, the political climate in this country doesn't really allow for uh, an open and easy discussion of, of sexual pleasure. Mm-hmm. I think we, our Puritan society uh, doesn't really want to hear about this stuff. And I find that so ironic. I mean, it's so us- ironic because, you know, they all care about it and talk about it privately. Like, just be open. What do you have to lose? Like, what's- none of us would be here. <laughs> none of us would be here if it wasn't for sex and sexuality. Exactly. None of us would be here. It doesn't so. make sense. It's just it really these doesn't. straight, rigid, tight, tight. But okay. Okay. To yeah, each his yeah. own. But go ahead. Maybe one day things are changing. Things have gotten a little better, I'd say. Well, yes and no. I mean, there's definitely a lot of political. Uh, uh, 
situ there's there's a lot of politics going on right now in terms of sex education and um you know people don't realize that there are very there actually sex education is only required in i think it's about 35 states and out of out of that 35 only 28 of them require it might even be less than 28 require uh, sex ed to be uh, medically accurate oh wow Wow. My kids are six and eight. I tell them everything. They well, know I mean, about I, sex, how it happens, what it is. When mom gets her period, they know what a tampon is. Like, I'm just open. Like, it is, you're going to learn it somewhere, learn it from me, you know? Exactly. I, <laughs> it's, 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 it, we're, you know, it's our human bodies. It's, it's, these are bodies that yeah. we're, that we're, that we got to walk around with for our lives. So let's get used to them. Let's be in them. Let's enjoy them. Let's know what we're, how to protect them. Let's know how to use them properly. You know, um, I, I really appreciate you for, for saying that. And I was raised also by, uh, I think, good parents who were not uh, afraid to shy away from having mm -hmm. uh, discussions about uh, sex and sexuality. Of course, I grew up in the 70s when, you know, you know, free love was was the hip was the, uh, yeah. you know, in the moment discussion. But I think that I think we really I would love to to make more of an effort uh, as a sex education advocate to talk more openly about this with children and with adults. Um, yeah. So I look forward to, uh, you know, being able to dive in more to each one of these six principles, because I think yes. all of them are really great guideposts in terms of your own personal sexuality. And, and the way that I lead with my sexuality coaching is to always refer back to these six principles so that one can ask themselves. The, sex, the sexual situation that I'm putting myself in right now, can I check all these boxes? Are all six of these being met? Mm -hmm. Or are there one or two that are missing? And I still might go ahead with that activity, but I'm also recognizing that what I'm doing may not be healthy. Like I, I can make an unhealthy choice, right? True. We eat junk food, we smoke cigarettes, we drink alcohol. So we make lots of unhealthy choices all the time. I think when it comes to sexuality, if we have some guideposts around what healthy sexuality looks like, yeah. It's a lot easier to make a decision about what you're doing. I agree. Yeah. So wait, you offer now, it's an eight-week one-on-one uh, -on -one or couples. Uh, is that only what you offer? But I was reading the six-week online course. There's a lot to there's this. I lot. mean, we're going to break it down. I know it's Absolutely. It's yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's, an ongoing, there's an ongoing menu of stuff, uh, uh, different approaches that I take. I work with couples, um, and I really like to provide support to couples who are exploring uh, non-traditional relationship types. So monogamy uh, was something that I certainly was spoon fed uh, from the time I was born uh, until recently. But, you know, with the rise of polyamory and the rise of and the embrace of uh, more polyamorous lifestyles and non-monogamous lifestyles becoming slightly more mainstream, um, you know, moving away from a very monogamous uh, structure can actually be healthy for people. And, and I think that while uh, sexuality was has, you know, was open in the 70s and 80s, 60s, 70s, 80s, there wasn't there hasn't really been a, a, a lot of discussion about relationship style, relationship styles and relationship types. Um, and I think that perhaps with, a, again, a, a larger discussion about sexuality, we can also bring in a discussion about relationships. And, you know, does monogamy work for everyone and does it have to or are there other options that can we also morally, uh, you know, and happily and enthusiastically support um, without ruining the experience for other people? Um, you know, uh, to me, there doesn't have to be one way to do a relationship. I mean, uh, we all get to make choices every day about how we conduct our personal business and how we interact with other people. Um, and so I think the the couples who are exploring non-traditional relationship uh, types need additional support and also need to hear from people who have been there and done that. Yeah. Um, I, I, I am a non-monogamous person. I imagine I am polyamorous and I imagine I've actually been this way my whole life, 
But it took me many, many years uh, to be able to say that and actually embrace that and have that be okay. Got it. Well, thank you yeah. for sharing. I love that. See, we appreciate honesty here. Uh, we still have five minutes left in the show, so I want to make sure we're covering everything for today, Jesse. Where else did you want to go with this? So, you know what? I'll take the five minutes just to kind of break down uh, the six the six principles a bit more. So um, I'm just going to read from something that I printed out here that refers to each of the six. So going back to consent, right? So sexual health in this case would require that all sexual activities be consensual. And again, I think consent is a very hot topic right now for good reason. Um, This principle emphasizes the importance of mutual agreement and respect between all parties involved in any sexual encounter. And informed and enthusiastic consent should be freely given and can also be withdrawn at any time. And I think the enthusiastic part is really important. Right. If, if consent is being coerced in some way, then we're kind of moving into the next principle, which is exploitation. Right. Mm-hmm. So non-exploitation or non-exploitive sexual health or uh, something that I think would be a positive, supportive sexual health um, around exploitation is that open sexuality requires that the sex be non-exploitive. Okay. Uh, this principle emphasizes the need for sexual activities to be free from any point of any form of ex- uh, exploitation coercion or manipulation so again that enthusiastic uh consent piece is is kind of an important part of the non-exploitive piece um and to also understand the importance of ethical and respectable respectful conduct uh in sexual relationships the third one is honesty which i'm going to talk about now but i'm also going to talk about you know in our in our upcoming shows as well but sexual health requires that uh we have open and direct communication uh both with ourselves and with every and all sexual partners that we have, uh, particularly when it comes to uh, being protected and having discussions about protection before engaging in in sexual activities. Um, Honesty in sexual relationship involves clear and transparent communication about desires, boundaries, and expectations. And sometimes we don't know what those are. So I'm also looking forward to talking a little bit more about this on our next show about like how, what if we don't know what our boundaries are? What if we don't know what our desires are? What if we haven't explored that? Mm-hmm. So that level of honesty requires some some additional self-reflection as well. Uh, shared values, I love this one because I think this is overlooked. Uh, values serve as a source of identifying one's sexual standards and ethics. Uh, this principle acknowledges that individuals have unique values and ethical standards when it comes to their own personal sexual behaviors. It encourages individuals to reflect on and understand their own values and those of their partners. So again, this I think this this has a root in honesty. And you know, if I'm into BDSM and you're not, then maybe we're not the best couple when it comes mm-hmm. to that. Or maybe we can make room for me to explore that and you can do something else. But shared values I think is, is very important. Protection from disease and unwanted pregnancy. Again, this is a hot topic uh, as we as we edge towards the discussion of of babies and pregnancy and abortions and and all of that, Um, but protection from disease as well. So um, this particular principle wants to address the need for anyone who's engaged in sexual activity to implement a contraception plan, if they feel so compelled, Mm -hmm. um, that they prevent acquiring a sexually transmitted disease and they take precautions to prevent the transmission of HIV. And it underscores the importance of sexual health practices that protect against both unintended pregnancies and the spread of sexually transmitted infections. So protection is, it can work both ways, hopefully. Um, and then this last one is my personal favorite, which is pleasure. 
Yeah. Um, again, I don't want to shy away from the fact that mm -hmm. most of us enjoy uh, sexual activities. Most of us, not everyone. Um, but pleasure is a primary motivation, certainly for masturbation, for, for solo sexual activity, and the giving of receiving of pleasure between partners, right? So I, I, I want to, I almost want to lead with pleasure, although I think that it's easy to, in discussions about sexuality, the other, the other principles are, are equally as important. Um, but, but I think you and I were chatting a bit before the, you know, the pleasure principle in this country is something that we shy away from. Oh, uh, that's sure a Janet Jackson song. Remember that song? Pleasure it principle. Oh, uh, I can't our, sing. Our, our Puritan <laughs> forefathers laid the groundwork for us <laughs> to be so shy funny. about following yeah. uh, following pleasure. So, um, right. I think this is a really great one. Perfect. It emphasizes that sexual well-being actually includes enjoying and exploring one's own body and engaging in mutually pleasurable experiences with a partner or partners. Beautiful. Well, yeah. thank you so much for being here. Jesse, we're just about out of time. Would you mind sharing, you know, the ways we can contact you, please? Absolutely. So you can email me directly at you, Y-O-U, at jessiepopic.com. Uh, you can also find more details about all my offerings on my website, which is www.jessiepopic.com. And social media pages? Um, so I am on, you can find me on uh, Instagram at jessiepopic, J-E-S-S-E-P-O-P-P-I-C-K. Awesome. Thank you so much. Pleasure having you here. Looking forward to the next time we connect. Thanks Indeed, again, Jesse. Have Thank a fantastic so day. And to all of our listeners and viewers, stay tuned. More of the show is on the way. Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. Let's go inside the mind of a 10-year-old. I should have worn those earrings today. I like those earrings. Gabby has those awesome earrings. I need to ask her where she got those, but that's just what she would want me to do. I'll have Michaela ask her for me. Buckle up, Sarah. Yeah, but then Michaela will be like, why don't you just ask her yourself? That's just like Michaela. Sarah, buckle up. Michaela's such a great name. I wish I was called Michaela. There's like a dozen Sarahs in my class. Hey, we're not hitting the road until you buckle up, honey. Oh, yeah, seatbelt. I forget sometimes because my brain is like busy, you know? I wonder if there's pizza at school today. Sometimes it can be tough to get through to your kids, but it's not impossible. Always make sure they're wearing their seatbelts, even on short drives. Remember, you have the keys, you have the power. Never give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup for more information.